Good morning, everybody. Ever heard the term old school before? You ever know the term old school? If you're not quite sure, it's a term that refers to doing something traditional or doing something the old-fashioned way compared to the way things are done now. Um, My father-in-law. My father-in-law is an old-school type of guy. And, uh, and one of the ways his old school sort of comes out is that he, he does something unusual when things break. Instead of going out and buying something new, he goes old school and what? Tries to fix it himself. Now, are you old school in that regard? Do you try to fix things yourselves or do you <laughs> simply go and buy but go and buy the new things. I wonder if you are online, I wonder how old school you get. I wonder, for those of us in the room today, I wonder what your old school tendencies may actually be. Me? I go old school by the music I listen to. I go old school by listening to the 80s. 80s music. But, you know, like some people might say I'm going old school. Some people might just say that I'm just stuck in some sort of time warp of some description where it's just a jump to the left and then you step to the right, 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 right. Anybody prepared to laugh this morning? (laughs) Laugh at me, people. Don't laugh with me. Just laugh at me. I'm happy for you to laugh at me. How about we pray this morning? Lord God, I give you thanks and praise that this morning that we can engage with you, Lord God, and that you can teach us some things. Lord, bring your revelation to us this morning, Lord God. Let our hearts be set on you. As As the songs that we sung this morning, let our hearts be directed towards you. So in these moments now, we do something amazing in our midst, we ask. We welcome you, Holy Spirit, into this place. We thank you now. In Jesus' name. Amen. I talk about old school because old school is the title of our new series that we're starting today, which is looking at another aspect of what church is. Now, if church is something that is new for you, then this series could actually be quite helpful for you. I hope that that is the case. Now, over the past couple of years, we have looked at the different components, the different features of what a church actually is. We've looked at three of the four components of that, and today we're looking at the last of these. Now, if you have been part of Engage for any length of time, you may remember me talking uh, or looking at, uh, remember us talking about how fundamentally a church is to look like this. A church is to be family, where there's a sense of community that is so deep, so meaningful, so personal, it is like family. A church is also to be like army, where a church is to be mobilised for mission into this world. As Jesus came, then so we also go. Church is also to be hospital, where church is a place where people are to find healing and wholeness. And that also church is to be school. We're to train people as Jesus followers and so to prepare them for Jesus' mission. Now, no church does all these four things perfectly. But regardless of how well a church may do this, these are the four aspects which any church must have and must focus on. And it is on this last aspect of school that we're going to be looking at in the course of this series. See, churches like school, we probably don't like that concept, do we, about being like school? No, we don't like that very much at all. But it's, you know, perhaps a school is the most, the, the most simple way of putting it, but it's probably more like a university or more like actually a TAFE college of what church is actually supposed to be like. 
Now, even if you didn't like school all that much, even if we don't like school all that much now, just stay with me just for a little bit, for a few moments. So we call this series Old School because it brings together the school aspect of what church is, along with the importance of sometimes of having to go old school. And that is the reason why we have to go old school is because fundamentally what the church is is still the same as what it was 2,000 years ago when Jesus said something profound to his disciples just before he sent it up into heaven after his resurrection. See, the church knows what Jesus said to his disciples. And as a reminder, this is what Jesus said. Jesus said, God authorised me. He authorised and commanded me to commission you. Go and train everyone you meet far and near in this way of life, marking them by baptism in the threefold name, Father, Son and Holy Spirit. Teach them to obey everything that I have taught you and I'll be with you always, even until the end of this age. So according to Jesus' words here, training and teaching is so important for Jesus' followers to receive by the church and to do as a church. So this then is talking about how the church is to provide a thing called discipleship or discipleship training, which is all about learning to live Jesus' ways as one of his disciples. Now, to do this, this training, this teaching, as Jesus refers to it, doesn't need to be anything new. Simply because we're in the 21st century doesn't mean we need to do everything in 21st century ways. In fact, that we need to go old school when it comes to the things of discipleship. And so through the course of this series, we're going to be looking at how we need to go old school when it comes to discipleship. And so we're going to be looking at the, the aspects in this series of this. We're going to be looking at transformation, about how we become radically different people because we become like Jesus. Becoming like Jesus makes us radically different people. We're going to be looking at the issue of training, about how we can be equipped to be Jesus in this world. We're going to be looking, looking at the issue of multiplication, seeing more people, uh, people know Jesus, become like Jesus and go like Jesus. But today we're going to start off with a more foundational aspect of looking at knowledge. The aspect of knowledge, which is to know Jesus. To know Jesus. Now, the thought of church being like school may not be helpful for many of us because, as I said, many of us didn't like our church experience. We hated school. We couldn't wait to leave school. Is that anybody's experience this morning? No, everyone loves school. Oh, well, okay. We're, we're, we're the exception to the rule. John didn't like school. But what I find remarkable is that I've spoken to so many people over the years who said, you know what, I didn't like school all that much. But as soon as I got to uni, as soon as I went to TAFE, everything changed because I started to learn things that that was meaningful for me. I started to learn things and be involved in things that I can see was attached to my future. And so I ate all that up. I loved the learning. I loved the training because I could see that my future is in that. That may have been your experience as well. Changing Environment, context changed your whole perspective to learning and to training. So the first thing that I would want to get you to consider this morning 
is actually to see the church a little bit differently, to change your perspective, to perhaps see the church in a different way, to see the church like this, to see that the church actually helps God fulfill his plans for you. See the church as helping God fulfill his plans for you, which is an incredibly exciting concept, that God has a plan for your life and the church is to be involved in God fulfilling that in your life. That's an exciting concept. At church, you can learn stuff and you can be trained in stuff that relates to God's plans for you that you can't get anywhere else and that you particularly can't get if you simply want to do the Christian life all by yourself. You're going to be missing out on so much learning, so much training. But church helps God fulfill his plans for you. Now, if church is to be like school, then you may automatically think, a church is simply about providing me information, providing me information, specifically information about God. And if that's the case, then, information that you'll never need. I mean, if we're honest, how many times have you used in real life the mathematical understanding of a parabola? How many times have you used that in real life? I'm an engineer, I've never used it in real life. You know, a lot of times when we start thinking about uh, church or school, we start thinking about, oh, it's about information I'll never need. It doesn't concern me at all. But church is different. Church is not about information. Church is about giving you knowledge. And there's a big difference between information and knowledge. So going even more old school than Jesus, Moses says something incredibly profound to God one particular time. This is what Moses says to God. He says, teach me your ways. Teach me your ways, God, so that I may know you. See, teaching about the things of God is never simply to give you information. But it is to help you know God more personally. And knowing God more personally is something for your every day. Let me say that again. Knowing God more personally is something for your every day. And so that should be something that we are interested in, that we are keen to know more about. And it is this knowing God personally that we will refer to in this series as knowledge. Knowing God personally. But let's not spend too much time going as old school as Moses. Let's come back to Jesus. Like Edwina talked about in our Trusting Jesus series around Easter time, she talked about the teachings of Jesus. From what you can remember, what was the most common name that Jesus had in his life? What was his most common name? Anyone? Rabbi. Rabbi, Rabbi which means it was just a Jewish name for teacher. Jesus was called teacher, Rabbi. So imagine this scene. It's a beautiful day on the side of a hill overlooking the Sea of Galilee in Israel. And there's large crowds are starting to follow Jesus. And on this particular day, one of Jesus' disciples, Matthew, records what goes on. And this is what he recorded happening. He said, now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. And his disciples came to him and he began to teach them. Now, we know what the things that Jesus would teach them would become the very famous thing called the Sermon on the Mount. Now, in teaching people this day, 
Jesus was merely living up to his name that people knew him by, as teacher, as rabbi. But why was Jesus a teacher? And what was Jesus teaching? At the very end of the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew again records these incredibly important details at the end. It says, When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority, not as their teachers of the law. So the crowd this day, they had just been schooled. They had been taught by Jesus, not merely taught information, But they were taught something. They heard something which had the very power and authority of God behind it, which was not what the teachers of the law had. See, the teachers of the law, they were only merely providing information. But Jesus got up and started teaching with the authority of God behind it. And as a result, he was talking about incredible life change that that is available for every single person. Is talking about transformation. See, why Jesus was a teacher and what Jesus was teaching, just like it was for Moses, was for people to know God's ways so they could know Jesus. If they could know God's ways, then they'll get to know Jesus. So with being this type of Jesus, I'm sorry, with being this type of teacher, What was the effect on people? With Jesus being this type of teacher, what was the effect on people? Well, Jesus himself gives us an indication of what that is. Jesus goes on to say elsewhere, he says, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. See, it was through Jesus being a teacher that Jesus then became shepherd. See, the only way that Jesus can become a shepherd is by him first being teacher. Because what we understand is that the more that Jesus teaches us, we then understand his ways and then he will be able to lead us and that we'll be prepared to follow him as shepherd. And you know what? That is what discipleship is. Jesus teaching, Jesus shepherding, we following. That is discipleship. Now, Jesus taught not to simply give you information, but for you to follow. Jesus taught for you to follow. You see, the more information about God is not the goal here. Personally knowing God, personally knowing his will is the goal. Because God is to be for your every day, not just occasionally, if ever at all. So the goal of teaching in this or any church is not for you to simply hear more information, but rather is for you to hear the voice of Jesus through the teachings of God's ways so that you can know God personally yourself and you can know his will for your life. You know, the interesting, the Apostle Peter, one of Jesus' disciples, he said these incredibly profound words and really challenged us. He says, grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. 
See, this grace and knowledge of Jesus is more than intellectual. It is personal. It's not some information to be filed away somewhere in your brain where you've also filed what to do with parabolas. It's something much more than that. Knowledge of Jesus is an experience to be lived out each and every day. But how do you do that? How do you do, as Peter says, grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus? Well, I would like to suggest four things this morning. Four things that you can do. The first of which is this. For you to grow in the knowledge and grace of God, first of all, you have to be saved. Saved, being saved. Old school, right? (laughs) In other words, you express your desire for Jesus to personally come into your life. To know God's will and to know Jesus personally, you have to get personal with Jesus. And so what it is, it's a reflection out of your own heart's desire to know Jesus personally. And that heart's desire is often and usually expressed through prayer. And so it is, maybe it is saying a prayer like this. Jesus, thank you for loving me. I've sinned against you, but I trust that you died on the cross for my sins. Through your death, I am forgiven. And through your resurrection, I can now live and know you. I want you now to come into my life for me to know you and to know your will for my life. Have you prayed that prayer this morning? Have you online, have you prayed that prayer already in your life? You know, the very first thing for you to know who God is and his will for your life is to express your heart's desire like what's in this prayer for you to ask Jesus to come into your life personally. That's the very first place. So after you get saved, the next place for you to grow in your knowledge and grace of the Lord Jesus is this. Read and reflect on God's word. Now, the Bible is God's textbook, using a school term. The Bible is God's textbook, if you like. It is history. It is poetry. It is prophecy. It is a love story. It is wisdom. It is instruction. This is what the Bible is and a whole lot more as well. Now, we can read it and get information from it. But what we know from our schooling life, isn't it? Information is boring and irrelevant. I mean, we get in the classroom, teacher gets up the front, starts teaching information and I'll, I, you know, the, I, our, our eyes roll back and the head glaze over and we check out. I wonder how many times you check out for when it comes to the Bible. Because you think it's simply information. See, it's not about information. It's about knowledge of who God is and what he has for your life. This is a really exciting concept. But a lot of the times we only treat the Bible as information. So what we have to do is that we have to understand what the Bible passage is actually telling us about who God is and for our own lives and for our future. You see, we are to reflect upon the words. We're not simply to read the words. We are to read and reflect on the Bible. 
because ultimately it's a reflection that helps move words from information to revelation. And that's what we want, isn't it? We want the revelation of God in our lives. So we have to reflect on God's word, not merely read it. Now, I'm sure that you may read the Bible yourself, but how often do you reflect upon it? Now, there are many ways that you can reflect on God's words, but one of the ways you can do that is by using a journal and a Bible reading plan. Now, these are just one of the reflection devices that you can use, and that is a thing called SOAP. Anybody know about SOAP? S-O-A-P? Anyone know about that? One person knows about it. Well, this is going to be a learning exercise for all of us today. That's fantastic. Excellent. Thank you, Greg, for knowing, but welcome, everybody, to the world of SOAP. You're going to get all clean at the end of today, I guarantee you. Soap is old school. Some of us may already know it, but it could be brand new for many others of us. So what you do with soap is that you get a Bible reading plan, which will take you for a reading of passages of Scripture, and then you get a journal. Now, a journal could be paper or it could be on your device. And what you start doing, you start reading and reflecting upon the passage itself. So what you do, you get your passage, you read through it, and then you get your journal out. And in the top left-hand corner, you write the letter S. Thanks, Kate. You go to the letter S, and S stands for Scripture. So out of the passage of Scripture you read that day, you pick out what passage really spoke to me, what part of everything that I read, what verse really stood out to me, and you write that out under the S, under Scripture. You write out the Scripture verse. And then you go after S, you go to O. O stands for observation. Observation is that then you write out, what are my observings going on in this passage? What am I learning about God? What is happening in this particular scene? It's about understanding the context of what the passage is that you just read and that stands out for you. You observe What you've observed, you then write down. After you've written out an observation, you then go A, which A stands for application. Application is, how does this apply to me? How does this verse, how does this passage of Scripture apply to me? What am I to learn from it? How am I to apply it to to my life? What does it challenge me with? What does it inspire me with? What does it convict me with? And so you then write out the application of the passage that you just wrote, that you just read. That's the A, and then you finish off being all clean with your soap by using P, and P being prayer being prayer. You write out a prayer to God about what the passage just spoke to you about and what the Holy Spirit has now taught you through that particular passage. You write out a prayer. Prayer is really important as this part of reflection process because personal prayer to God makes his teaching to you knowledge. Because what we have to understand is prayer turns teaching into relationship and experience. You reflect, you take the passage of scripture and then you pray to God about it. You talk to God about what you just learnt. Prayer turns teaching into relationship with God. And that's how you get to know God a whole lot more. Now, this morning, out on the table where the offering box is, there's a couple of Bible reading plans that you can take if you'd like to. It's a, the one out there is a, you read through the Bible in a year. You, you wear, do a reading um, for five days a week and uh, you help and you end up reading the whole scripture, the whole book of the Bible in, a, in 12 months. Now, there's lots of other versions of that. 
you can get it and download apps and all these sort of things. But if you want, if you want to make use of that today, please take one. It's next to the offering box right there. But can I just say this about Bible reading plans? They're good and they can also be not so good sometimes. Hands up here who likes homework. Like homework? Edward, like homework? No, 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 no. Don't like homework at all, do we? We don't like homework because it then becomes, oh, I have to do it. And I don't like the things I have to do. None of us like having to do anything, particularly when it comes to homework. And so the problem is that sometimes doing a Bible reading plan, it can actually feel like homework. And so it actually can take you away from God instead of drawing you closer to God. So my encouragement to you is this, that take a Bible reading plan and find a reading rhythm that's good for you a rhythm that inspires and encourages you and actually draws you closer to God rather than feeling like, oh, God's just homework. And, and it takes all the, way, all the way the personal connection with God because you now see it really as something that's hard and tedious and you, you don't really want to do. So find a good rhythm for you to actually do that, but read and reflect on God's word. But it's not just reading and reflecting. So you might have all the great applications. You might have an incredible insight about how this passage applies to your life, but it means nothing unless you do the third thing, which is you actually do what the Word says. You actually There may be an application for you, but it's only meaningful if you apply it in your life. Now, a few weeks ago, we, we looked through the book of James in the New Testament, and you may remember that one of the main themes from that book was what just don't hear what the Word says, do it. Actually do what it says. Now, I'm not going to talk too much about this other than to remind us what Jesus says when he says that if you are my disciples, then you will do what I say. It's not just hearing what Jesus says, it's actually doing what he says. Now, this theme is picked up again by the Apostle Peter who writes these profound words for us. He writes this, he says, For this reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness. So he says, start with faith. You've got to have a faith in Jesus. Start there. That's good. But you need to add to that. You've got to add goodness. How do you add goodness to, to your faith? By doing good things. But then add to goodness knowledge and to knowledge self-control and to self-control perseverance and to perseverance godliness and to godliness mutual affection and to mutual affection love. Can you see here that he's talking about actually doing things here? Not simply having a faith but actually doing things, doing what it says. Now, why would, you do every, why would you do what it says? He goes on and says, For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being, what, ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Ever thought about that? Being unproductive and ineffective in your knowing of God. See, the way that knowing God can be effective and productive in your life, in other words, meaningful, is by actually doing what it says. You want to know God? Do what he says. Because the more that we do what Jesus says, the more we will know who Jesus is. The more we know who Jesus is, the more we'll do what Jesus says. Keeps on feeding itself. So you've got to know, you've got to do what it says. So to ensure your knowledge of Jesus is actually meaningful, you've got to apply it in your life in real ways. Doing what Jesus says, old school, right? 
Who would have ever thought about doing that? That's old-fashioned. Actually doing what Jesus says. Which then leads us into the last part. And that is you've got to allow yourself to be taught. Do you remember what Jesus said just before he went up to heaven? We had the passage up a little bit earlier on. One of the parts of what Jesus said to his disciples before he ascended into heaven was this. He says, teach them to obey everything that I've taught you. Jesus is clearly saying here, teach people my ways. So the question, my question to you today is simply this. How teachable are you? For some of us, church has almost exclusively becomes the relational part of church, you know, the family part. I've actually heard people say, the only reason I come to church is to catch up with friends. Now, if that is the case, then I wonder how open we are to what God actually wants to do in and through us as a church family and through us individually. If we're only here to catch up with friends. So for us to do what Peter says before about growing in the grace and knowledge of Jesus, we've got to have a teachable spirit. And that is because if Jesus can't teach you, then he can't lead you. If Jesus can't teach you, then he can't lead you. In other words, he he can't shepherd you as the good shepherd if he can't teach you. Because if he can't lead you, then you won't follow. And if you won't follow Jesus, then you're not a disciple of Jesus. See, teachability is the essence of discipleship. And can I just say right now that if you are not like, if you are not Jesus in our room today, then Jesus still has some things to teach you. But how open are you to be taught by Jesus? Or you go, you know, I'm done. I'm fine. I don't need to be taught. I don't need to be taught anymore. I'm just going to stay here. How teachable are you? How open are you? How is your posture of being taught? So whenever and however you engage with church, are you open to be taught by whoever God is using to teach you God's ways. Interesting, elsewhere Jesus says this. He says, come to me, get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Now, if we're honest, who doesn't want that type of experience? to find real rest, who doesn't want the experience to live freely and lightly in through our lives. If you want to have that experience, then look at what Jesus says, how you get that experience. You've got to learn from Jesus. You've got to watch Jesus. You've got to work with Jesus. Work with Jesus means you've got to do something here for you to have that type of experience. And you get that experience by having a teachable spirit. A teachable spirit when it comes to your private, personal, reading and reflections times. It's having a teachable spirit when we come to church or a connect group or, you know, or serving in some team somewhere with other people. See, this spirit is seen in coming along and saying something like this. 
Jesus, I believe that you're going to teach me something today. I look forward to whatever it is you have for me today. Teach me your ways so that I can know you more. I wonder when the last time was when some of us, even many of us, actually came wanting to be taught. When was the last time you came wanting to be taught? By whoever and in whatever situation. What if this became our daily prayer? You see, if you are open to the Holy Spirit in any particular way, the Holy Spirit will teach you. But if you're not like Jesus right now, then you've got a whole lot more teaching to do. So well, my encouragement would be, why not have a heart that's open to be taught by the Holy Spirit? For him to teach you so you can become more like Jesus. The more the Holy Spirit will teach you as much as your heart is open to be taught. Why not have a heart that's wide open to be taught by the Spirit? So that you become more like Jesus. So helping Jesus teach you his ways and for you to grow in your knowledge of Jesus is one of the essential things that the church is and that the church does. So with church being like school, you ultimately get to know Jesus and you get to know his ways and you get to know his will for you. And by the way, he's this teaching, this will that Jesus has for you is actually around all the other parts of what church is as well. See, Jesus' teaching and will for you is for you to be part of family. Jesus' teaching and will for you is about being mobilised for mission. Jesus' teaching and will for you is for you to help people towards and for you to yourself to experience healing and wholeness. See, I'm not sure if you've ever thought about this before, but discipleship actually leads you to understand and experience what church is because church is who Jesus is. Now, church is not always perfect. Jesus is perfect, but church is who Jesus is ultimately. And that's what we're trying to work towards. So what I want to do today is that I want to pray for our teachability. I want to pray that for each of us, that we are open to know Jesus and his ways more. And if you're someone in the room today or someone online who prayed that prayer before to get personal with Jesus, to ask Jesus into your life, then I'd love to talk with you either after the service or sometime during the week about what your next steps may be with that that heart expression that you've made today. Now, next week, Diane's going to talk to us about what happens when Jesus teaches us. Something happens to us when Jesus actually teaches us. So we're going to be talking about how Jesus' church helps Jesus to transform you. Church doesn't transform you. Jesus transforms you. But the church plays a role in that. So I hope that you'll come back and hear that part, next part, of what church is. Will you join me in prayer? Lord God, I give you thanks and praise so much that you are encouraging us to know you more. You are sending out an invitation to each of us to know you more. And the way that we know you more, Lord God, is by allowing you, Lord Jesus, to teach us. Because the more that you will teach us, the more you will lead us. And the more that you lead us, the more we'll follow you. And we want to follow you, Lord Jesus. Lord, I want to pray for those people right now, Lord God, who through the course of this morning have made a decision to get personal with Jesus. 
and invite them, invite you, Lord Jesus, into their lives. I want to pray that you encourage and protect the heart of those people who've made that prayer today, that made that commitment. I want to pray for the rest of us, Lord God, that in our teachability, Lord God, that we may be open to you, for you to fulfill your plans amongst us, for us to become the people that you want us to be, to be more like Jesus. Lord, I want to thank you so much for what you've started within us today. For some of us, this has been going on for our whole entire life, but for some of us, this is a decision point today. Something change is going to happen today in some of our lives as a result of allowing you to teach us today. Help us know you more, Lord Jesus. Help us to know your ways so that we can know you more. I pray that for myself. I pray that for everybody here, Lord God, listening to my voice right now. I want to pray this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Thank you.